Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Schedule here. Try it. Love Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. we rock it like you're never going to see us again. Come on over. Come on over. Good evening, everyone. It's 10 p.m. straight up, and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Tuesday night, July 19, 2011. Welcome once again to the show that covers sports, life, and everything in between. My name is Joe, Just Business Buccino, and as always, my tag team partner, seated right next to me, David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. Joe, let's get the show on the road, sir. What's going on, sir? Not much, just here, excited, ready, willing, able to make this the greatest pure gold of all time, sir. All right, we had a busy weekend, uh, lots to talk about in the, the world of sports and sports entertainment, but before we begin, sir, let's give out the contact information. Folks, as always, if you'd like to call in and be a part of the greatest show on earth, that number is 714-364-4721. If you'd like to check out our website, you can do that at puregoldpg.com, where, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. We love to tweet it up. And again, you never really know if it's me or JB who's doing this, so you, you got to kind of figure that out based on the conversation. Uh, you can check us out at our YouTube channel, and of course, Joe, we haven't made a YouTube episode in months. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook, puregoldpg.com has all that information. There's a little follow us button, the tab on the left-hand side. JB? Thanks, DG. And, uh, you know, once we become famous, rich and famous, and we're on TV, like, uh, mic'd up, you know, we'll get to see the uh, apparel that I'm wearing tonight. What do you think about this pure gold T-shirt I'm wearing? Well, I have to admit, sir, uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the quality of it. I'm impressed with the fact that it fits you, first of all. And I'm impressed with the fact that it says pure gold right on the chest. It's got the pure gold PG website. And, of course, the logo, which the great one, DG, came up with. So, folks, just uh, make sure that you do go to our website, Pure Gold pg.com and buy our apparel wear it live it love it advertise us we're always looking for a cheap plug <laughs> and that's what we're all about folks the cheap plug as cheap as can be so jb this is going to be an exciting episode we have quite a few things on tap we're going to have the one and only uh, miss usa 2010 rima faki joining us she is going to be uh you know here on the show for an interview uh, live in studio of course or Maybe not, but we just love to say that people are live in the studio. And later on, we're also going to have Pyro Falcon from OnlineOnsult.com. And, of course, you know Pyro because he's on the show pretty much every week. He's become something of a uh, something of a manservant to the show where if we need coffee, even though neither one of us drinks it, Pyro will go get that. 
a Slurpee or whatever the case is during the show. Pyro takes care of that. So he's a very valuable member of the Pure Gold team. I also want to mention, DG, that uh, before we get underway, this is actually my third studio, and we've only been in business for about, like, eight months now. Uh, actually, no, sir. We just uh, we just completed seven months last week. All right. Working on our eighth month. So technical. Technical, of course. And, yes, this is uh, – we actually, uh, yeah, we've had quite a few studios in, in our, our brief history. Um, but I think this studio might be more permanent than the last couple that we've had. But of course, folks, we hope that you enjoy yourselves. We hope that you, uh, you know, can just be a part of the show. As always, we're going to talk to Mets. We're going to talk about quite a few things, sir. How are you handling with this heat wave that we're dealing with? Well, I have to admit, it's it's pretty hot, and uh, hence the word heat wave. But it's been an exciting uh, an exciting week. It's been an exciting uh, time. Unfortunately, when it is so hot, things get to be a uh, rather uncomfortable but of course here in the new and improved pure gold studios we are cool as the other side of the pillow that's right and just when you think that there's not a lot to talk about there's plenty to talk about dg i mean plenty of things happen over the weekend yeah you're absolutely right of course we have the the mets plan losing two out of three of the phillies we have the yankees winning however many games they won you know we, we don't really care too much about the yankees here um, a lot of you know exciting things in the world of the IWF, and of course we're going to have quite a few um, you know guests from there as well. As a matter of fact, you know since we're we're here starting out the show, let me just say that our upcoming guests include some some big names in the uh, sports and sports entertainment industry. Uh, on Thursday we're going to have Matt Walsh, the newest acquisition for the IWF. Matt was actually a Joseph Canterbury over at FCW a couple of years back, and you know we're excited to have Matt joining us. You know, we're big fans of the IWF. Um, next Tuesday, we are going to have the one and only Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post joining us. You can check out Mike's wonderful uh, writings over at nypost.com. Of course, we're also going to have uh, Flex Freeman joining us again, but that's going to be a brief one, folks, because for those of you who follow the IWF or even those of you who don't, Flex actually won an insane 15-man over-the-top rope battle royal in a record, uh, actually 16-man, in a record, uh, what was it, a minute and 45 seconds, which was which was pretty insane. He eliminated every single competitor, so we're going to have him on as well next week. The following week, which would be the first week in August, we're going to have Neil Best of Newsday joining us. The week after that, we're going to have Don LaGreca from ESPN joining us. He's the co-host of the Michael K Show. And uh, we're also working on one of the all-time great football players in New York history, the one and only number 70, Leonard Marshall. That's right, folks. Leonard Marshall will be joining us. And uh, speaking of, of joining us, I believe we have our, our guest for the evening on the line. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce her. Uh, for those of you who watched the first season, uh, this, well, I guess it's like a fifth or sixth season of Tough Enough, but the first one in recent years because they stopped with the show. Uh, she was a contestant on there. She, you know, you can check you can check her out, of course, um, on the back episodes. Uh, you know, she lasted until the fourth episode, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, of course, she was Miss USA 2010, and she was a big part of the show. You know, she had that similar to Trish Stratus, where Trish was a fitness model before she became a WWE diva. We have joining us the one and only Rima Faki. Rima, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are you? Can you hear me? Rima, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Hello? 
Hi, Rima. Sorry about that. We're having some uh, oh, technical difficulties. Oh, you can hear me, here. though, right? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. How are you doing? Oh, perfect. I'm doing good. That's good. And, uh, of course, we appreciate you joining us here on uh, on Pure Gold. Uh, Rima, let's, uh, let's get right into the interview. Um, can you tell us why is it that you decided to try out for Miss USA, and uh, what did you learn from that great experience? I think, uh, are you, are you, are you asking about this? Yes, yes. Oh, what, oh made you, what made you go out for it, and what did you learn from that experience? Well, you know, being a USA, being part of a wrestling show, I must say, I mean, it, for me, it felt like a legacy. I felt like now I'm, I made history and I was part of a wonderful organization. Okay. Um, now, can you tell us what some of your obligations were as Miss USA? My obligations, besides my main platform, Breast and Ovarian Cancer Awareness, I did a lot of work with Best Buddies and with a lot of different artists. traveling to Rwanda with same Sky, you know. But, you know, a lot of my obligations were a little bit different because I wasn't your typical beauty queen. I was also the longest standing, but I wanted to break barriers and I wanted to make sure that everyone in life, you know, knows that no one can tell them no. And also kind of educate the world about America and how much we can, you know, make the world like our country. So I would have to say, besides that, I was slamming a few people in the ring. <laughs> hey, Rima, this is JB. Did you catch a lot of heat from family or people, uh, you know, based on religion or ethnic background for going, uh, you know, going on and ultimately becoming Miss USA? Uh, can you repeat that question one more time? Oh, I was just wondering if you caught a lot of heat from family or friends about, you know, from people of your religion or ethnic background, you know, for going on and becoming Miss USA. Um, my family, I'm very lucky. I have a mother and a father who were the ones that told me that you have no limits and anything you put your mind to, you could achieve, and therefore I did so. And, yeah, when being the first Muslim, Miss USA, and the first immigrant, of course people didn't like the fact that I wasn't your typical everyday American. On top of that, I was called ghetto, and, and uh, she went to Queens, and, you know, um, oh, my God, she was uh, the whole thing raw, you know, like, oh, who does that? <laughs> and you know what? That's motivated me more. I want to change stereotypes. So when you ask about religion, my response is I'm not defined, and I respect all religions. And my family and my mother and my father have always been by my side every single day, and everyone else doesn't matter. Good for you. Good for you. Now, what was your experience like on Tough Enough? Tough. <laughs> it resulted in me feeling like nothing could ever stand in my way. Um, did I think I was going to be body slammed and smushed by Bill DeMont? Uh, no, absolutely uh, not. Um, did I think I was going to have Crown Royal shots with John Cena? No, didn't think that was going to happen. But So there was a lot of painful moments. There was a lot of fun moments. But in the end, I have to say it was life-changing. And did you did you feel that you were at a disadvantage going in as there as a quote-unquote beauty queen? No, if you want to say because I was thrown on there because I'm Miss USA, Stone Cold says you have to be a fan before you're a wrestler, and I was a big fan. And there's simple competition. The requirements are not to be uh, a trained wrestler, and I happened to show interest in that, and therefore I ended up there, you know, as 
people on the show, they didn't know who I was until I was already on the show. You know, and of course they thought I was going to be like the piñata, you know, the one that would run away and get beat on. Yeah. But I believe I beat the boy, some of the boys in two mile one, not including all the girls. Hello, Rima, are you still there? I'm still here. I think I'll... the truck beat, beat when I said that. Okay, yeah, well, it seems like we're having some uh, some technical difficulty here today. Let me ask you, Rima, um, who did you find out? Um, in the terms of the, the show, who was your best mentor? Was it uh, Trish Stratus or was it uh, Booker T or, or, or Bill DeMott? I'm sorry, did you say who was my favorite trainer? Yeah, who was your favorite trainer? My favorite trainer would have to be, well, I, of course, you know, I'm in love with Bill Cole, but I would have to say out of the three trainers, um, out of the three trainers, I'd have to go with Booker T. Booker T. He's a bad, bad, badass, I could say. I love him. He was great. He can look in your eyes with those his big eyes, and he can tell you exactly what he thinks is going on in your mind. Bill DeMont was more of the guy that pushed you down. Get up. Push you down again. Get up. He wants to see if you want to give up. And Trish is someone you go to for confidence and, you know, comfort. Did you, feel like, did you feel like you could connect with Trish, like I said, being that, uh, she came from the from the world of being a fitness model before she was a you know a wrestling diva. Yeah, you know, uh, Trish is from Toronto and she was modeling and you know probably had a similar background like me was a fan. But she told me something important. She said, "You just sit ringside and watch because I bet you can get it right." And that's what I did. And I think I got it better than that girl uh, Michelle, who I believe was just on there to be on a real show, you know, reality show. Yeah. So was, so was Ariana. She didn't know anything. But I'm saying, like, I felt like I had the opportunity to do to do more. And Trish Stratus told me that she thinks I'm the next her. So that's a big compliment for me. Yeah, considering she's the greatest WWE diva of all time in, in the minds of so many, that's definitely a, a huge compliment. Now, after you were eliminated, who did you think would actually uh, end up winning the competition? Luke. No, no. I mean, after you were eliminated, who did you think would win? I thought Luke would win. Oh, Luke. Okay. Now, uh, I know you weren't. Not, after, I you don't were, think I didn't. I didn't think Luke was going to win. I thought Luke should win. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There were a lot of people who he was a very controversial guy on the on the show because of uh, you know his attitude and everything, and, and it really came across. And honestly, I thought he was going to win because the. Uh, they kept saying every week how great he was and how he was so skilled in the ring. So were, were you surprised like I was when Andy ended up winning? Yes, I was, actually. Andy is hardworking, and I have to say that, um, even though we got off on the wrong start. But I think Luke, it's only fair to say, was the strongest one in the house, was the one that was up every morning in the gym, was the one that never complained, and, and was the one that worked hard, and, and he was good. I mean, look what he did to Matt, who had 10-year experience. Now, yeah, Luke can get out of hand a little bit, but you just have to be funny just like he is right back. He's just that kind of person. And I think, you know, if you're not, if you have a confidence level, I think a lot of people were jealous of Luke, you know. I, me and Christina felt less like that at the beginning, you know. So it's just common. But in my opinion, I think Luke should have won, yeah. And he, yep. Luke, I have to say, helped me a lot on ringside. Was the only one out of the whole cast that would take me aside 
and show me how to do two black or this and that. So it meant a lot to me. Reba, we both agree with you that uh, he should have definitely won, but, you know, things turn out differently. You know, in the world, we uh, we never know, you know, we never know what's next. But for you uh, personally, do you think that uh, there's an open door back to WWE at some point to try out? You know, I'm, I like to surprise people. Um, so I'm going to let you guys keep guessing. <laughs> but all I got to say is wish me luck for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, good luck tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Thank you. And I'll we, be sure to make, have another interview with you guys after the after I make my decision. <laughs> oh, that would that would be great. We'd really appreciate that. Let me ask you this, uh, Rima, switching gears a bit. You you happen to be the uh, the girlfriend of a professional baseball player, Ricky Romero, who's uh, you know plays for the Blue Jays. What's it like uh, being What's it like being involved with somebody who's a who's a pro athlete, somebody who's you know playing, especially somebody from Canada? I mean, I, I know you're uh, when you were here, you're Michigan. Queens, you were all over the place, but uh, you guys get to see each other a lot. Is, is it kind of weird, or is it exciting? Uh, yeah, I know it was very difficult, um, you know, because we both have very busy life. And I have to say that, you know, I told him by the end of my reign, you know, if everything goes well between us, then we know we can go, you know, like we have a good relationship, we have a great relationship. And we did, you know, I mean, Ricky's a very supportive guy. He's in Toronto right now. I'm in New York City. So it is difficult. We hardly see each other. But, you know, you just have to make it work. And if you want to, you can. It's all. All right. Rima, I also see that you're appearing in the Hugh Jackman film Real Steel, which premieres this fall. Uh, Tell us what that's like for you and what type of role is it? You know what? Uh, Hugh Jackman movie was, like, a great... I don't know how do I say this, like, experience to see a piece of Hollywood. And it was being made right in Detroit in my home. <clears throat> so I have to say one of the nicest men I've ever met, even if I walked down the street, I wouldn't meet someone that has a heart like Hugh Jackman and such an amazing family person. Oh, wow. I mean, and, and Sean Levy, Levy, the director, amazing people. Josh McGuire from... Uh, Avatar also, and it was produced by Steven Spielberg, so, I mean, it's a great honor to have it uh, be my first notch. But, you know, it's it's a small, you know, it's a small scene, but at least, you know, it's somewhere to start. Okay. So where do you see yourself in a year from now? Are you acting or are you in the WWE as a diva? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm gonna, you're, good, you're just going to have to stand by. It might be a big surprise. I'm trying here. I'm trying to get some answers. <laughs> well... I, I, it's a good try. At least you try. I always try. <laughs> well, Remo, you know, we really appreciate you coming on this show. It was an honor to have you on. And, of course, we apologize for the uh, slight technical difficulties we had at the beginning. But I guess, you know, with you on the cell phone and then us in the studio, we were having some, some echo. But, we, again, we really appreciate you coming on. Like you said, we're going to take you up on that offer of having you on the show again in the future when uh, when the, the decisions are made and we know where Rima Fakia is going to be. Yes. Thank you guys so much. It means a lot to me. And... Just always remember, you know, the TSA is tough enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Pure Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Folks, that was the one and only Rima Faki joining us from. I don't know if she. I don't know if she was on the set of Real Steel. I don't know what was going on, but you know, we had some uh, little sound glitches going on there. But we're grateful to her for coming on the show, and of course, um, you know, here on Pure Go, we like to give you the best interviews. We like to give you the our take as much as we possibly can. We really just want to 
share with you, the listening audience, on what type of things are going on in the world. Like we said, with all of the uh, the guests and things that we have coming up, it's just an exciting time to be a part of the uh, Pure Gold team, JB, I must say. Rima definitely uh, is a good spirit. I mean, she has um, a great attitude. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of success in her future, DG. I don't know if it's going to be in the WWE or even the FCW or maybe just Hollywood. But um, she seems like a really genuine person and uh, wish her all the best. Yes, of course, you wish her the best. And, of course, like she said, we absolutely are going to take her up on the offer of having her on again, um, you know, in the future when she makes her decision as far as the WWE. You know, we, we kind of had to figure that she wasn't going to give us all the juice and the, and the insight. But I think what I found the most interesting about that interview, sir, uh, was when she was saying about being the, uh, you know, the difficulty she has with uh, with uh, being the girlfriend of, of a pro baseball player. I actually thought she was going to say that when her reign was up, uh, she was going to give him the honor of uh, being his uh, his wife or something. But I don't know if she kind of held back on that one because uh, we're not at that. They're not at the stage yet. But I thought it was interesting. We, got, we even got a little relationship advice going on here. In pure gold, folks. I was actually going to ask her about the Canadian taxes that he has to pay, and then since she's with him, what kind of taxes that she must have to pay? Oh, I'm sure the listening audience wants to know about Canadian taxes and, uh, you know, American tax law. But speaking of uh, somebody who should be taxed without representation, we have the one and only Pyro Falcone, son of Carmine Falcone from Batman Begins, Joining us, and we're going to talk to Pyro about the uh, absolute slobber-knocking, barn-burning pay-per-view, of course, if I can quote the one and only JR, Money in the Bank. We have our very own Mr. Money in the Bank, Pyro. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right, guys. How are you doing? We doing are doing free. doing fabulous. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. Of course, all our interviews are great, but we appreciate you uh, you know, throwing, throwing that out there, sir. And, uh, you know, speaking of the pay-per-view, before we get to Raw, I loved it. You know, we were actually just watching the finish of the uh, CM Punk-John Cena match here in studio before we uh, before we started our interview, and even the the finish of the Christian-Randy Orton. Can you give us your, your take on that? I, I know we, Joe and I both read your your recap, but uh, for the listening audience, tell us what your, what your first thought was when that pay-per-view was over. What was on your mind? Well, um, the future. I mean, the the, the ending was solid. Uh, it was unexpected that WWE would actually take a chance at something like the ending of uh, Money in the Bank. Um, it, it was great to see Punk walk away with the title. I mean, it, it's absolutely a fan's come uh, fan's dream come true. I actually made a mistake in the recap because I said that it was um, the safest possible play, but I was thinking wrong. Um, basically, the only problem I had with the ending was uh, the fact that um, they did a homage to the Montreal Screwjob. And to me, it's like they should have just left it separate. It should be its own thing, you know. But um, as far as Orton and Christian were, I pretty much forgot about that whole thing as soon as uh, it happened. Because, you know, I don't know. I I fell asleep during the match. It's interesting that, you know, Christian's got the belt back and, you know, he won it it with a heck of a way. I hope it was worth it to him. But, uh... (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, the, the match itself was uh, all past. You know, Pyro, I think that the, the pay-per-view in in all, uh, if you look at it overall, I think it was a great pay-per-view in terms of, you know, great crowd in Chicago, obviously, definitely, and maybe. But, you know, you have um, Punk against Cena, and I think that this ended up being, I mean, looking back, I was talking about with DG before the show started, but uh, this might be John Cena's best match ever. What do you think? 
I don't know. Um, the the beginning of Cena's match with Punk was okay. I mean, you you can't argue with the attitude of the fans. But on, honestly, I mean, if we're even going back to uh, just the atmosphere, I'd almost be wanting to go back to um, One Night Stand, the original, or not the original, the second one, where uh, John Cena took on Rob Van Dam. I mean, that was the first instance where we saw the if Cena wins, we riot signs and. Um, it was like purely unanimous hatred against him. There was just absolutely nothing Cena could do right. Uh, when he threw his shirt into the audience, they threw it back. It was fantastic. And, you know, the, what happened to Money in the Bank was a really close second. But best match ever? I don't know. But it, it's going to be in the top three, probably. Top three, top five, somewhere in there. Well, you know, the truth is that um... – I think the reason that, and Joe and I were also talking about the one-night stand, I think the reason that Money in the Bank was better than that was because, A, Punk is 100 times better than RVD could ever hope to be. Van Damme's got the high spots, but he's horrible on the microphone. He's high half the match, and of course we know CM Punk is drug-free. And uh, he's just not as good. He's a sloppy worker. The, the difference in crowd, to me, is really credited to the fact that the Hammerstein Ballroom, which is where that ECW event took place, was so much smaller and more compact, and the crowd is literally on top. And it's not to take anything away from the Manhattan crowd, because I think they're the best in the planet, really, them in Madison Square Garden. But where they were on a Sunday, so much bigger and so many more people that it had to be a bit of a difference in terms of the, the noise. But that crowd was hot for Punk. They were hot for their hometown hero. Even though he went in there as the quote-unquote heel, he obviously did not play it. He played it to the crowd. And I just thought it was such a great match, and I really have to give credit to John Cena because he, he carried his end. The ending was awesome. I know I know you're not a fan of the Montreal Screwjob thing, but you know what? They threw that out there. Cena stopped him, and then boom, match over. When uh, Alberto Del Rio, oh, and by the way, it was a roundhouse kick to the head, not a punch. <laughs> just uh, throwing that out there, sir. But um, when he walked away, when he blew the kiss to Vince, I just thought, wow, this is the, the best way that they could have ended this pay-per-view. And it just ended on such a note that I really sat there stunned because I, I, I would have almost bet money, I'm glad that I didn't, that Alberto Del Rio would have won. They would have screwed Punk out of the title somehow, but we did not get that. So to me, it was just a win-win-win situation. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Punk's making it better even now because he's taking the WWE title everywhere. I don't know if you're following his Twitter feed or if any of your listeners are following his Twitter feed, and if you're not, why Of course. But he's taking... <laughs> He's taking that belt everywhere. Like at midnight that night, he said something about the champ is here, and he posted a picture of the belt inside his refrigerator. And he uh, took it to a Cubs game, had it on the Cubs logo, took a picture with one of the Cubs with the belt on his shoulder. It's, it's fantastic. He's still playing the story. He's rubbing it in WWE's face. It's, and, and you're right, it's all punk. I mean, going back to One Night Stand, punk is infinitely better in all respects than RVD. Um, and, you know, I don't think anyone else right now can be pulling off this story as well as Punk could. I mean, you, you put anyone else in current WWE, especially, in Punk's place, and the story falls apart. No one buys it, or at least it's not bought quite this much. I agree. And call me anal, Pyro, but uh, he said that this would be the end of the spinner, but he's carrying John Cena's customized belt. I mean, can we... Uh... Bring back the uh, the undisputed title back, please. Just anything but the spinner. I don't care if they change her from a title belt to a Cracker Jack ring. Anything is better than that spinner. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, what I find interesting about that whole situation is that 
Last night we had the title tournament on Raw, and I, I, I know you you pretty much took a dump on the Randy Orton match, but I wanted to touch on that for a second. They had the title tournament last night on Raw, and of course we're going to have to see where that goes, but, um, you know, so right now Punk technically still is the WWE champion, even though he's not part of the company, so they can't say anything other than that. But to me, let me just touch on this real quick before you go nuts on me. I actually like the, the Christian-Randy Orton match, and I thought it was good because to me, this is turning into like an old school feud, which lasts what seems to be forever. Um, and of course, SmackDown is weak in terms of main event talent and heels, but I like this feud. And, and Christian winning was the only way to continue it, because obviously with Orton winning all the time, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. You can't keep having the same guy lose over and over again. And yeah, sure, it was a cheap win, quote unquote, but it was great. And seeing him again as champ is a good thing for us. And hopefully, by the time the show's over, we can look at the SmackDown spoilers and that Christian won't have lost the belt to Daniel Bryan. But that's an, on another note, um, you know, I think that Orton, for as terrible as we all think he is, he'll be better chasing the belt than being champion, even though this pretty much cements the fact to me that him and John Cena are both going to end up winning the, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship about 50 times. They're going to challenge Ric Flair's all-time, uh, you know, record for the most title wins in the major promotions. And I think they're going after the 25 title reigns that Jerry Lawler had in Memphis. What do you think about that? What, what was that one part? What did you say at the end there? <laughs> I said that I think they're, they're going after the 25 uh, title reigns that Jerry Lawler had when he had his own Memphis promotion because they're both at about 10 or 11, and it, it's getting kind of ridiculous. Yeah, um, they'll probably set some sort of record. Actually, who who has the record? Isn't it Flair who has 17 times? Uh, 16. 14 or something? Yeah, uh, and, 16 and 13. Yeah, and Cena's, you know, half their age, so I'm sure he'll, well, both of them will probably break that within just, you know, a few years. And that'll be unfortunate, but, you know, as long as Punk stays hot, heck, let him be a 17-time champion. I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, when, when you look at the rest of the card, I'd say that the, the two ladder matches did their job. They did not disappoint. They were both good in their own way, in a different way. Um of course, Alberto Del Rio winning was predictable, but in a good way because we like that. We want to see him as champ sooner or later. Uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes, of course. And Daniel Bryan winning, to me, was shocking. Joe actually called it, which um, I'm surprised. He was pretty much spot on on the entire pay-per-view. But uh, Pyro, I just hope that he's not the first one to cash in the, the title shot and then lose. Yeah, except I'm, I am I would bet dollars to donuts that that is exactly what's going to happen because he is the most expendable person who has ever won money in the bank. Um, I mean, even Miz, his star was kind of on the rise when he won it. I mean, Daniel Bryan is good, but his star isn't quite on the rise yet. And, yeah, I am I have a feeling that he'll be the first one to cash it in and lose because, you know, someone's got to do it at some point. And, you know, Daniel right now is expendable. So, unfortunately. So, Pyro, all in all, a pretty good pay-per-view, hot crowd in Chicago. And now, you know, Raw was last night. And they were in Wisconsin, and, you know, Vince comes out and decides that we're going to have a tournament, an eight-man tournament. We get to the finals of it, and then it's get, it gets interrupted, you know, by Vince coming out and wanting to fire John Cena. And then, uh, you know, for the first time probably ever, you know, Triple H is acknowledged as Vince McMahon's uh, son-in-law. What do, you, what do you think about that angle, and where do you think they're going with this? I'm actually not sure where they're going with and That's what makes me like it. Um, the, that whole review, well, first of all, Raw, other than the main event, was tepid at best. Um, 
pretty much useless at worst, especially the Divas match. I mean, other than Melina's appearance. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> but with the main event, I mean, the way they acted with trips, I really did, um, you know, you're, you're conditioned to expect certain things in professional wrestling. And when trips comes out, um, you know, with Vince there, I expected, even though trips was in his suit, I expected the crotch chops, I expected the suck it, you know, the whole thing. But the way trips played it, you really don't know where he's going with it because, you know, trips it's written into his character that he can be a sarcastic douchebag sometimes. And he, you know, so so you don't know if next week he's going to rub at his new position of power in Vince's face or if, for some reason, Triple H is suddenly turning heel and he's basically just going to be Vince Jr., you know, meet the old boss or meet the new boss, same as the old boss kind of thing. And they really could go either way with it. And Triple H is good as both those face and the heel. He could go either way with it. You never know what's going to happen with that particular story. So right now I'm just enjoying the ride. Um, I, I, I'm not even comfortable calling even next week what's going to happen, other than that I figure they're going to have to do something to have Triple H uh, establish his authority. So he'll probably make some sort of big or weird or something announcement. But as far as whether it'll go face heel, you know, what the status of Cena is, I don't know. And I don't really care. I'm just going to, you know, uh, enjoy the ride up until next week. Well, you know, they have the perfect opportunity to have him uh, assert his authority, of course, with the Rey Mysterio and uh, the Miz title match, which is scheduled for next Monday. I'm actually hoping that Punk doesn't stay away, comes out, tells everyone he's still the WWE champion, even though he's no longer, quote-unquote, employed by the company. I'd hate to see either Miz or Rey win the title. That would, to me, would suck. And Raw surprised me yesterday because I was really expecting so much more. I like the title tournament. Joe and I are both big fans of the one-night, you know, King of the Ring-style title tournament. But the ending, like you said, was was tepid in terms of, that's it, wait till next week. Vince getting fired was different. I didn't like it last night, but as I thought about it today, I was like, you know what, maybe maybe this is different. Maybe, you know, we'll see where this goes. We have to be patient. I like the whole, you know, patient aspect of it. But to me, what last night was was a real acknowledgement to the People you hate so much, the smart fans, the, all the, sorry, the internet fans, of course, you would consider yourself one of the smart ones. But because really, of course. The, the average fan doesn't know that, and the, you know, generic person does not know that Triple H is married to Vince McMahon's daughter. They don't know that Vince is a backstage, uh, trips is a backstage position in the company, and he's head of talent relations or whatever it is that he is. And to me, that just shows us like, wow, Vince, you know, acknowledged us by giving us Punk as champ. He acknowledged us by letting everyone know that Triple H really is his son-in-law because they've never fully done it. Until last night, it's never been said, Dad, son-in-law, my son-in-law, you work for us backstage with the suit. So that was cool. I really I really enjoyed that part. My wife was kept asking me, is Vince really crying? Is that is he really crying? So that, that was kind of interesting. Of course, I had to give her some sweet chin music, you know, after, afterwards just to make sure she uh, – you know, she she knew her her uh, place as it were, but uh, you know, as, I, as I'm getting looks here. But anyway, I, I thought it was interesting, and I, I'm definitely excited to see where it goes. But I don't know about you, Pyro, but like I said, I'm not looking forward to Miz and Rey Mysterio next week. I hope that Triple H does something and that changes that up. Um, I'm not too concerned about that either, because I mean, the the way the story is, Punk is obviously coming back at some point. They could even do like a UFC style thing where you can go ahead and give Miz and Ray their little title, and it can be the interim championship. And you could even say have Punk come in, uh, you know, blather about 
how it is an interim championship, how they're not the real champion, or even Cena can complain about it. I don't know. You, you can do all sorts of things. Um, for the long term, I agree with you that I wouldn't want to see Ray especially have the title. Miz could at least do something with it. But, you know, you know, for the short term, I'm not too concerned about it. I, it's it's like if it goes past, say, SummerSlam, where they're still holding the title and nothing seems to be happening with Punk and they're still giving him the what I've called the Benoit treatment, then we'll have a problem. But, you know, for a one-week, one-off type of thing, I'm not too concerned about it. I think the one thing you guys are forgetting that is that John Cena was not fired, so I guess somehow he gets into that match and maybe it's a triple threat for the title oh. next week on Raw. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to uh, that possibly happening either. That's Actually, I kind of didn't voice it because I'm hoping I don't <laughs> give the uh, devil spawn of WWE any sort of ideas. Yeah, you know, uh, last night would have been perfect to me if, if Cena didn't even show up. Vince could have cut that promo without John Cena in the <laughs> ring, in the building. And I don't say it because I don't like Cena. I say it because, you know what, if he was fired, why even show up? It doesn't even make sense from a logical standpoint. And this story arc has been semi-logical, which is illogical for the WWE. Um, so I was hoping Cena wouldn't show up, you know, with uh, w- with that whole situation. But, of course, they did the whole passing of the torch uh, with from Triple H, Vince to Triple H. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. Um, I read online somewhere that Rey Mysterio is going to get a major push, which I hate because I, I don't like Rey and I wish he would go away. I know the kids are big fans of his, but he can be in mid-card obscurity for all I care about. And The Miz, uh, my wife and I were debating last night whether he's injured or not because he seemed injured. He was wrestling injured, but he was also wrestling on one crazy leg, so I'm not really uh, not really sure about that whole situation. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, I unfortunately don't have the sources that uh, Rick Skaya does. I don't have my ear to the ground or anything like that, so I have no idea if Miz really is injured or if he, I don't know, maybe lightly tweaked his knee and he's just playing it up. I don't know. But um, at least for Miz, it makes an interesting story. Although, I, I find it odd that last night is, you know, Miz is on this one, you know, he, he's got a bad wheel, as they say. He's wrestling like crap. Alex Riley is beating him down. And yet, Last night, when basically the odds are more stacked against Miz than they ever were, he winds up winning clean over Alex in a match that basically didn't mean that much. I mean, it was for the tournament, but it's not like it was for the title. It wasn't like it was for, um, you know, some big pay-per-view gimmicky match. I I find it strange that, you know, as you've complained about, DG, Miz got buried by Alex for the last couple months, and now all of a sudden – he goes clean over Alex for pretty much no reason. And that, that was about the one logical misstep I think they made last night. Yeah, I mean, clearly a misstep. But, um, uh, you know, like you said, the uncertainty part of it is what makes it really interesting now. Um, what do you think about just the ratings being so low still, coming off a hot pay-per-view, wanting to see what's going to happen next, and the ratings are still low? What do you attribute that to? Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't even uh, paid attention to the ratings numbers, so I'll have to take your word for it. But it it really doesn't surprise me because um, the only people who are going to watch the whole show are the hardcore fans or the addicts like us. Um, The the thing is, what what I will attribute it to are two things. The main thing is WWE's horrible writing that they've had for the past decade. They've clearly completely used up all their goodwill. You know, the, the lapsed fans are going to stay lapsed. I mean, the only way they're going to come back is for something, for the um, best way to put it is like consistently improved product, you know. 
But the other main thing really is the Internet. I mean, you know, once uh, Punk cut his promo, it was all over YouTube. And for once, WWE didn't take them all down. Um, and all of his promos since the big one have been on YouTube that, again, WWE hasn't bothered taking down. So I think most of the last fans are getting their news from sites like Online Onslaught or our competition um, and <laughs> checking out YouTube and, uh, you know, just all the, those kind of highlights. Plus, uh, the whole punk situation made mainstream news. I heard it made ESPN for a little tiny news bit. And, you know, that's really all they care about. The last fan doesn't care about tuning in and watching the whole thing, especially with DVR. They'll just record a few parts of it, if any of it, or just catch it on YouTube. Okay. Um, yeah, Pyro, you know, as always, uh, your your take is, is appreciated. Now, I didn't get a chance to see the plug, the, the quote-unquote plug that you gave us about you appearing on the show tonight, uh, you know, with your, with your raw recap. Is that up yet, by the way? Oh, yeah, it's finally up. He put it up about 15 minutes before your show went up. <laughs> I want to know, what's up with uh, the fact that Rick was credited with writing, uh, with doing the, the Sunday thing? I told I told Joe, he's like, yeah, you know, the Rick this and that. I'm like, Rick didn't write that. That was Pyro. He's like, you sure? Like, yeah, I talked to him right after the show. I know he did the he did the recap. And then at the bottom, it says email Rick. I'm like, I'm going to email Rick and ask him why, why is Pyro's name not on here. Yeah, Rick actually sent me an email about that. I was surprised at how many people um, noticed and responded. I didn't even notice. Like when Rick wrote me and said, I apologize for putting my name up there, I'm like, you did? I didn't even look at the byline. But uh, apparently one person somewhere asked Rick uh, when he started writing for IGN and when he started playing Fallout 3 because (laughs) it looked awesome that he and I have the same interests. And the guy, whoever he was, was totally serious. So Rick was happy that uh, he may have screwed up the byline, but somewhere out there is someone much, much dumber than he is. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think you were talking about sources. I think Rick's source is over at the WWE or the the janitors over there because, uh, you know, you you guys definitely give your opinions as it were, which is like, hey, by the way, when was the last time Rick wrote an article on on Online Onslaught? Um, well, last Thursday, actually. Well, last Friday, when he did a preview for uh, Money in the Bank. But before that, if we take out WrestleMania, it's probably been several years. Wait, was that last year's? Which WrestleMania were we talking about, 25? Was that the one that he wrote a recap for? <laughs> Feels like it sometimes. I always yeah. give him the WrestleMania recaps, though. They're too important for me, I think. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't uh, write as much as he used to. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, we we've talked about this before. You you started coming on here. Uh, we used to pretty much rag on on the company. Now that we're actually getting interested again, so you know, it it's one of those things. It's the pendulum that swings both ways. Uh, you know, sometimes you're really excited, sometimes you're not. And I think at this point, all of us, and the Rick included, as the four biggest Randy Orton haters on the planet, I think the only four who dislike Randy Orton. Um, you know, I'm sure we're all excited and anxious to see what happens. But Pyro, we appreciate you coming on. We thank you, as always, for, for giving us your predictions, and hopefully next week will be interesting enough where we can have you on again on Tuesday, sir. Anytime, guys. Thanks okay. very much for having me. Thank you, sir. That was the one and only Pyro Falcon joining us. And now, speaking of the one and only, we're going to go to the man, the myth, the legend, the great one. Oh, sorry, Joe wants to do this, so let me let, me let him take over. I just want to you know preface this by saying... It's 1042. It's time for Todd's sports update and Todd's take. Let's see if he could, you know, basically take over from last week and continue on his best take tonight. So, Todd, how are you, sir? 
Well, let's start off with this. Do you want good news or do you want better news? Go with the good news. Well, the good news is that the, the Mets managed to beat the Cards 4-2. to two. The better news is that the Rays managed to beat the Yanks 3-2. to two. Yes. So we're off to a good start. Yes. Orioles over the Red Sox 6-2. to two. Tigers beat the A's 8-3. to three. Mariners and the Blue Jays are battling. It is 5-5. to five. It is now the 12th inning. White Sox get beat by the Royals 4-2. to two. Indians are beating the Twins in what will probably end up being a one nothing game as it is one out bottom of the ninth. Rangers are over the Angels, one nothing. Pirates beat the Reds, one nothing. Padres over the Marlins, four to nothing. Phils drop one to the Cubs. What a shame. Well, they're about to. It's bottom of the eighth. They're gonna lose. Nats over the uh Nats actually lose to the, the Astros, seven to six. Rockies over the Braves, six to one in the sixth. D-backs are losing to the Brewers, 6-2 in the third. No score, Dodgers, Giants in the second. JB. Thank you, Todd. Now, the uh, you know, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We know that it's getting late in, you know, in negotiations and all that good stuff. And we know that the Mets season is pretty much over after the, uh, the fire sale that might have begun. So, you know, like I said, it's almost time for those three letters, NFL, but – you have a take, and I'm sure it has to do something with the NFL. So, sir, take it away. It's good to know that you guys know the way I think. So, it sounds as though the NFL lockout, now at day 100 and too many to still be counting, may finally be coming to resolution. And it's about time, I for one must say. I was getting a little nervous. And, JB, you can wear a big smile because it sounds like, once again, the players, after a little you know, breath holding and feet stamping are going to get their collective ways yet again. With the exception of former American, uh, America's former sweetheart, Drew Brees, who was quoted as saying that he felt that it was unfair for him to have to pay for former players who mismanaged their money. Shame on you, Drew. The whole world was over, like overly captivated and made to feel sorry for those victims as you anchored the, uh, the media tug of war at the, at the nation's heartstrings. You, sir, are a bad person. And I thank you for exposing yourself for the trash that you are. Moving on. John Clayton, ESPN, reported that this year's cap will be set at about $120 million, leaving many teams significantly over the cap, including my beloved New York Jets, by only about $1.2 million, which is not a huge number, but... Uh, Antonio Cromartie has come out stating that he wants to test the free agency market and will not, will not give Gang Green the hometown discount. Hmm. Well, I for one have to say, don't let the door hit you, Cromart. We tried to do the right thing by you and your extended family, and if this is how you're going to repay us, then please, just go. Finally. Before the CBA can be ratified, the NFL will have to satisfy the 10 named plaintiffs in the NFL antitrust case. JB, do you know whose name appears at the tippity top of that list? Todd Johnstone? It would be Tom Brady. Of course. (laughs) Yes, one Tom Brady. Why is this guy always in the thick of every important story in the NFL. Tom, please, 
wash your hair, go get it cut, and for God's sakes, go buy a comb. You need to stop letting your, your stylist and your, uh, your hairdresser dress you and send you out for the day because every time I see you on TV, you look like some too-cool-for-the-room European twit. We know, we know. You, you know how to ball. We get it, right? It, well, except in the postseason in the last few years, of course, but I digress. What I'm trying to say is that you, Ursat's Tom Terrific, is show some guts and stand up to Giselle. I don't like you. It pains me to see any guy who, whose manhood has just been, well, you know, taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. JB? Thanks, Todd. Um, so what do you think? I don't know if you heard about this, but there's two new rules in the NFL that's going to be starting this. Um, you know, they're going back to the 35-yard line kicking off to prevent uh, less injuries, I guess, less concussions on the kickoff. And that rule, you know, they've had that. They've moved it back and forth all the time. But the new rule I want to get your take on, I don't know if you know this or not, but that there's going to be a replay official replay and making sure that every single point that's scored in the NFL is replayed and the, the correct call is made. What do you think about that? You know, in, in, my, in my humble little opinion, the only sport in all of professional sports that seems to have this whole thing right is tennis. They have the whole laser optic thing where they know exactly where the ball is at all times, anytime it crosses the line, touches the line, whatever. You know, the rest of the sports need to catch up to tennis. It stings, those words coming out of my mouth, and it hurts my ears to hear me say them. But tennis is leading in all sports. They're the only ones who seem to have it right. We don't need all these officials. All we need is a little technology. And for you baseball fans that say that – we're taking the human element out of the game is not a good thing, you're morons. You don't watch enough baseball. You don't see enough injustice out there on the field if you think that taking the human element out of the game is a, is a bad thing. I say it's fine. I don't have a problem with them having a replay official checking every point. The Steelers wouldn't have won the Super Bowl against the, the damn Seahawks if, if they had an official checking every point because there's no way Roethlisberger got that ball across the line. You're absolutely right. I'm just thinking that it might increase the game. And like uh, somebody was mentioning earlier today, that the 1 o'clock games are going to definitely run into the 4 o'clock games. They might consider starting the 4 o'clock games at 4.30. I mean, if the games are going to run over each other, I I think that might be a bad thing for ratings and just a bad thing for for football in general, just in terms of of fan watching at home. I don't see how me getting more time with Gang Green every week is a bad thing. (laughs) Very true. It's a selfish point of view, but, you know, the more time I get to spend with Rex and my boys, you know, I'm, I'm happy about it. I, yeah, I, think, I, I, don't, I, think, I really don't think that it's going to affect the game that much. I really don't. I think we've pretty much come to accept that you're uh, pretty selfish there, Todd, especially with your the times you haven't been on the show, messaging, calling, texting, telling us what you're eating, telling us how many bowel movements you just had. I mean, things are just inappropriate, things we don't even need to know about. I'm a lonely guy, PG. <laughs> Todd, as always a pleasure, sir. Hey, let me just say one last thing. Having uh, Don McGreca on, what a score. What a score that is. I cannot wait to hear that show. I'm so looking forward to that. Well, Todd, I would hope you uh, look forward to every show, considering you're pretty much on them all. Some more than others. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, good night, guys. 
<laughs> Folks, that was the one only TJ Todd Johnstone for Todd's take. He truly is getting better, sir. I mean, back to back weeks of Todd's take. Uh, I'm 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 impressed. That was another one of those I had to uh, slip out and go to the bathroom moment. So I'm definitely gonna have to. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna have to check that out on the on the replay, sir, tomorrow when I'm uh, doing other things. But uh, you know, Todd, it, it's it's always a great thing to have Todd on the show. He is absolutely positively an asset. Emphasis on the first couple. <laughs> Todd is an asset to this show. We appreciate him always coming on. You know, DJ. Speaking of assets, let's just move on to the New York Metropolitans. I mean, let's face it. The the Mets coming out of the All Star break lose two out of three to the Phillies, and they're they're a game below 500 now. They're at 500 again because they won tonight against the Cardinals. But for all intents and purposes, the season ended this weekend. Even though the Mets won tonight, sir, and uh, Jason Edginghausen got his first save, and Dylan G's nine and three with a 3.67 ERA, you really think the season's over? Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. The season's over. <laughs> I thought you were going to hit us off with another one of those rhymes like you did that night that Forgiven was on the air, sir. I am the master of rap. <laughs> I think you're the master of crap. That's about it. But uh, you know what? I know a lot of people are getting down on the on the Mets and says they're, say their season's over. Not me, because their season was over before it even started, as far as I'm concerned. Now they finally got Reyes back, which is a good thing. They finally got Beltran back, which is a good thing. It's uh, Joe, were you shocked that Jose's uh, season wasn't over? I definitely was shocked. I mean, knowing the Mets' luck with injuries, I mean, you, you'd figure that he'd be out for at least another month or two. But he's back. Let's hope for, Ray, not, let's hope for David Wright and for Ike Davis to get back and see what this team could do. Um Unfortunately, the trading deadline's coming up really fast. The one thing I don't get, DG, is is that the Mets admitted that they're willing to trade Carlos Beltran and they're willing to pay for the rest of his year, uh, whatever's left on his contract. Whatever team takes him, the Mets will take care of that, whatever that salary is. I, I just yeah. That does not make sense to me. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I'm not really sure why the Mets would decide to do that why they feel that that's a good idea, because quite honestly, it's not. There's no way, shape, or form that you can tell me that it's a good idea to to take the entire salary of a guy. I mean, Beltran has trade value. Somebody needs to be willing to pick out that money. The Mets are hurting for money. They're hurting as it is. You're telling me the Mets can't find somebody to, to pick up some of Beltran's salary, sir? Yeah, I, I don't get it at all. I mean, this is like, I understand, like, trading K-Rod because you didn't want to pay him that, that, that bonus that he was going to get. But, like, now to trade Beltran and then also say to the team that you trade him to, oh, we'll pay the rest of his salary, too. That, to me, says um, at the end of the year, we don't want to have no headaches with this guy because we know that the Mets fans are going to want to sign this guy to a two-year deal like you want, DG. Of course. But we can't afford it, so let's get rid of him now and we'll pay the team. Yeah, but, Joe, you, that, that that's asinine. That's contradictory because the Mets can't afford it, but yet they're going to afford to pay all the money left in his contract. It doesn't even make sense. He makes about, what, $18 million? If you divide that up in threes, that's, they're going to owe, like, $6 million on that contract. You're telling me that nobody, not, not the Giants, not anybody who may have a little more flexibility in their, their – I mean, they don't, there's no salary cap, but in terms of their team, you're telling me that they can't afford it? I don't understand it. Why would the Mets even come out publicly and say – that they'd be willing to pay it. I mean, privately, if they feel that way, fine. But come on, that that to me doesn't make any sense. You hit the nail on the 
on the head, DG. The fact that the Mets admitted it, now it's like anybody that wants them, they know that the Mets said they're willing to pay the rest of the years, uh, the rest of the year, so about $6 million, like you said. And it doesn't make sense for them to just admit it in public, and now everyone knows that's a fact. I mean, sometimes I don't know. You got, you know, if that's the case, why don't the Mets just pay up his salary? He can be a third co-host on this show. We'll get him in here. We'll bring him in studio. We'll have some uh, rice and beans with him and some, you know, some fried chicken or whatever he likes, and we'll be ready to go because, you know what, it doesn't make sense. And at this point, Reyes isn't going anywhere. You got to hope that he's not going anywhere. His injury, he came back, you know, playing pretty well tonight. We hope that the Mets don't get rid of him and they, they can find a way to sign him. And honestly, I don't want the Mets to even get rid of David Wright because to me, that's like, all right, you're, you're uh, biting, what is it? You're biting your nose to spite your face or something like that. I, I forget how the exact, oh, cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's a, it's the same idea where if you get rid of David Wright to pay money, you know, to have money to pay for uh, what's-his-face, uh, Jose Riz, you know, if the Mets are willing to eat some contract, why don't they eat Jason Bay's contract and just cut him? That guy is beyond useless. I tweeted this earlier when the, he had a chance to open up the game before. I mean, the Mets won, so ultimately it doesn't matter, but... As a fan, you sit there and it's like, seriously? Or as the Miz would say, really? Really? Jason Bay is so terrible. I can't believe this guy was putting up 30 home runs in, in Boston and Pittsburgh before, sir. Yeah, I agree with you. Jason Bay has been a big bust. Let me ask you, though, the, the trade deadline, uh, you know, about, you know, the end of this month, July 31st. Yeah. Is somebody like, I mean, nobody really talks about him, but is somebody like Mike Pelfrey going to be on this team after the trade deadline? Honestly, sir, I I hope not. I'm not a fan of Pelfrey at all. He really is not doing a good job. I, I wanted him to do good. I wanted him to be the ace of this team. We all did. You know, we're all hoping that Pelfrey could turn out to be something, but all he's turned out to be is a bust and a bum. He's done nothing, sir. He's done less than nothing. I agree with you. And like I said last week, if you want to build this team, you got to build it around starting pitching. And Mike Pelfrey is just a one-year wonder. Last year he had a great year. He even had a slump during the year. Big uh, slump. Big slump. So let's just let's just face it. Mike Pelfrey is not. I hope not in the Mets' long-term future for like you know to build a contender. So somebody like him might go. I think you need to keep Reyes, like you were saying, and I think a lot of people are starting to see that. Yeah. I just hope that the Mets see that. Uh, but well, you, you got to think they do, sir. But the problem with Pelfrey is that he doesn't have much trade value. There can't be any trade value, really, in a Mike Pelford because he's so inconsistent. I don't think he's going to end up like he's been and become a success somewhere else. I think that Pelford's a basket case, and he's just not going to get it done. For whatever reason, he just does not have the mental makeup to be a successful pitcher in the big leagues, and I think he's proven that. I'm wondering if Mike Pelford and Jason Bay hang out with each other after the games. They're both <laughs> mental cases. I guess it's possible, except that Bay has a proven track record where – Pelfrey's proven track record is, you know, licking his hands. Maybe maybe in a uh, past life, Pelfrey was a cat or something. I mean, I can't, you know, not, not that I believe in such things, but that's the only, you know, theory I can think of because Jason Bay and, and, and Pelfrey are just, they're just weights dragging this team down. You know, if the Mets had anybody, anybody in those positions, look at Dylan G. Dylan G has been a, has been a, a godsend, as the, as the kids would say around the street. With the season that he's having, but Pelfrey, he's doing what Pelfrey should be doing, sir. I could see G being inconsistent, but Pelfrey's the one who's totally inconsistent. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Dylan G's having a great year, and um, let's hope he's not a one-year wonder, too. Next year, I mean, I think he's definitely going to be in the starting rotation. But I think the, the Mets talk is going to be more 
after the trade deadline, who's going to be left, who gets traded, and then we could definitely dissect the Mets because for I think for all intents and purposes, their season's over. They're not going to catch whoever's in the wild card right now, which no, is the Atlanta Braves. Definitely not. They're, they're, the Braves are too good, sir. The Braves are too good. But, you know, the, the thing is the Mets have a couple of pieces in place that you have to like. I'm not going to go nuts about Murphy because Murphy's really not that good, I don't think. But you've got uh, Dylan G at 9-3 with a nice 3.76 ERA. you got um, John Neese, 9-7, 3.73ERA, which is pretty good. Um, you know, he's got these hits for innings, pitching, you know, and I'm looking at his stats here. He's only given up four home runs, sir, which I love because oh, – actually, nine home runs, I'm sorry. <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's 118 innings pitched. That, that, that's a pretty good clip, sir. That's like uh, less than one a game, and, and it's, you know, it's better than I thought. And, of course, with the strikeouts, he's got about 98, so he's got a little less than, uh, you know, one an inning. But I think that he's uh, he's been pretty good, sir, and, and I'm, I'm definitely pleased with Nice. I see him progressing, and, and I see Puffer going backwards. I agree with you. So we'll see where the Mets go. We'll definitely talk about them more after the trade deadline, see who's left and who stays, who, who goes. But you look at the other team in New York, the New York Yankees, and I think that who? the New York Yankees. Wait, I'm sorry. Who, we're going to talk about the Yankees? Just briefly. I just want to say that, you know, uh, uh, on a good note, being Mets fans, is that, you know, I think uh, Cologne and Garcia have really, like, I don't know, I think that they've seen their better days, and I think that the second half is going to be a long season for the Yankees in terms of starting pitching unless they can get another starting pitcher because you're going to have to rely on CC, which obviously gets you a win almost every time he goes out there. He is probably one of the best pitchers, top three in Major League Baseball. But after that, Burnett, you, I, I don't He's know. He's the best non-Philly in baseball. Let's put it, let's put it yeah. that way. Burnett is a question mark to me. And then you have Phil Hughes, Al Hughes, coming back from the DL <laughs> And I don't think that, you know, you can rely on that, DG. I mean, you look at the Red Sox. Look at the other teams that have great starting pitching. The Yankees are going to have to make some kind of move in the, before the playoffs. I agree. And uh, hopefully the, the Yankees will not make that move. And hopefully they will not improve because we obviously don't want them to. Um, but you know what? As If you're a Yankee fan, you got to be happy with the way this team is playing. They're doing well. Um, you know, they're right there running neck and neck with the Red Sox. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where that ends up. But I, as a, as a non-Yankee fan, hope and pray that they don't end up getting anybody good. Because if they do, you got to watch out for this team. I still think the Phillies are, are just doing that damn good. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But at the same time, with all the injuries they've had, you've got to kind of attribute that to a weak National League. Because the National League is an absolute disgrace. <laughs> Couldn't agree with you more there, DG. But also... As um, wow, we're running late. Yeah, we are. That's pretty good. We're, we're wrapping it up, sir. DG, the other big thing that happened over this weekend, besides money in the bank, was that the women's soccer team, for all you know, everyone thinking this is going to be a great story, great ending, them oh, beat Brazil. It was an ending, that's for sure. It was an ending, and you know, Japan ended up beating the U.S. in penalty kicks and won the World Cup women's soccer. DG, as I, opposed I'm, to the men's. Soccer. Right. I'm pretty sure you didn't watch any of this game, but of let, course not. let me just say that for people to say that the women's team choked is a an injustice, not only to the U.S. team, but to the Japan team for their will and their, you know, their how good they played this World Cup. I don't think you could say the United States choked. They were never up by more than one goal. If you choke, you're usually up by two or three goals in soccer. So I don't think this team choked. I think that Japan was the better team. They played better. They won. And, you know, it's an uplifting thing for their country, especially what they've gone through this past year. 
Yeah. Um, I know that we tend to equate sports with, with real-life things and real-life situations with sports, and, you know, we feel better and stuff. Just like, uh, not, you know, I think it's going to sound terrible, but 9-11, when, uh, when that situation happened, I wasn't rooting for the Yankees in the World Series. I was rooting for them to lose. But um, aside from that, I don't know, Joe. I mean, obviously, I didn't watch it. Soon enough, you know, my daughter's born, and she's, you know, it's a girl, by the way, officially. Um, and pretty soon when that happens, if she gets into soccer, I'm going to have to like soccer. I'm going to have to just suck it up. My wife is pretty much browbeat me enough that I understand that I'm just going to have to get into women's sports. But the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is that, you know, you're going to have to take that up with Craig Carr, and you're going to have to take it up with uh, one Christopher Mad Dog Aruto, because they both pretty much feel the same way. Uh, Mad Dog was tweeting today that uh, he doesn't understand. He's like, you know, the, the women's soccer team is on Letterman or Leno or the Tonight Show, whatever the case is. Do people know that they lost? That's actually what he said. Do you know that they lost? And he didn't understand it. There were so many opportunities for the American team to win. They didn't take advantage of it. So, you know, what? If, if somebody says, and this is where I just disagree with you and should, you know, lock in the transmission right around now and choke you out. Um, I think that you're entitled to believe that they choked because choking necessarily, it doesn't mean like you were up by 50 points and you, you blew it, but you had so many opportunities. They were the better team. They had beaten the Japanese team, I think 25 or 26 or possibly 27 straight times in a row. And if somebody feels that they were, they were choking up, then you know what? I think that it's, it's their own opinion. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, sir, because the problem here, this is where it comes in. And yeah, yeah, you'll get your you'll get your chances. Calm down, sir. The problem is that I think that we see this as oh, they're women and this is not to insult women. That to me this is an insult to us insulting them, but I'm not trying to insult them. We say, Oh no, it's women, so let's not say that they choked. But if it was men in the same situation, we would say they choked. They choked it up. And you know what? You stink. And you are absolutely liar. DG, you played right into my hands, and that's why I must say that in 2007, the New York Giants did not win the Super Bowl. The New England Patriots actually choked, and that's why the New York Giants won the Super Bowl. It's not that the Giants were the better team. It's just that the New England Patriots choked. Right. You know, you could say that about anything, and that's the situation, Joe, is that you can take anything. Oh, this team choked, that team choked, the other team choked. If that's, I'm sure that the Patriots feel that way. It's like this. Speaking of that, because I was going to get into that, what the American team did is very similar to the Patriots because the Patriots can't sit there and say, wow, we had a successful year. Look at what we did. Woohoo! We waited all the way to the Super Bowl. We were 18-0, but we lost, even though we were the superior team. That, that doesn't count. The Giants won. Michael Strahan and the Giants stomped them out. And that is unfortunately what happened to the U.S. women's soccer team. They should have won. They could have won. They didn't win, and ultimately, what are we going to remember? That they had a great year? No, we're going to remember that they lost, and we're just trying to be nice because they're women, and that is an insult to women, frankly, sir. That's why I'm not going to say the U.S. choked. They lost to the better team. So we spent enough time on soccer, women's soccer. Way too much time. Way too much time. I just want to get through my two nuggets and oh. tell me what you got. Oh, please do. This I, can't, week- I can't wait for these nuggets. <laughs> yeah, this weekend was another thing that I went to go see. I went to go see one of the biggest premieres of all time. One Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. And 3 and 4 and 5. How long were you in the uh, movie, sir? Was it an 8-hour movie? Let me tell you, DG, it was a quick 2-hour movie, believe it or not. Oh, my goodness. And, really? it, and it was a good movie, a good way to finish the series. I know you don't watch this, you don't ever watch any Harry Potters, but the way to end it... Go to hell! I recommend anybody that likes sci-fi... Go to hell! 
DG and Hans might be the only people. Go to hell! Harry Potter. Wait, wait, wait. Let me just correct you on that. Hans actually does like Harry Potter, but me, this is how I feel. Go to hell! Only DG smokes the Harry Potter. <laughs> no, I don't smoke the Harry Potter, and that's the whole thing. That's the whole problem. But anyway, get to what people care about, because I could care less about this crap. How was the Batman preview? That's what I want to get to. The real, the real reason I want to watch this movie is because there was a three-minute trailer to the new Batman movie. You know movie. that the trailer, I believe it's already online, so you didn't have to go spend all that money to watch Harry Potter. I know? still want to see Harry Potter. It was a good way. I've seen every one of the movies. So the trailer itself was good, but if you look at it on YouTube, they used a lot of footage from The Dark Knight with Batman. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. but they, I haven't seen it yet, sir. I yeah. will definitely see it for Thursday. Maybe we'll just watch it right after the show's over so we can see it. But uh, you'll see that there's a lot of all the Batman stuff uh, with Batman in the scenes is from The Dark Knight. They haven't filmed a lot of this movie yet, but I am pumped. I don't think they filmed any of the movies, sir, from what them. I heard. I know that there was a little tiny bit, but I doubt they filmed much. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that movie. The only thing that is bittersweet is that, you know, Chris, Chris Nolan and Christian Bale... Uh, what a tag team! What what a Cold combo! Yeah, what they are just the Unsputed. best best director, best actor for Batman. Emma. It's gonna be sad to see a reboot right away. I don't think. I mean, I'll, I actually heard, sir, uh, not to cut you off, but I actually heard that they're, they're already talking about a reboot. Which to me, and we joke about this. We joked about this on Thursday. To me, it's absolutely ridiculous to even consider a reboot of this. Yeah, I mean, they've done such a good job with this series. Only three movies, you know, we always talk about how after the first movie, usually series goes, um, a movie series goes downhill, but I think the second one was better than the first one, like you think, DJ. Absolutely. And now this third one, maybe it's not going to be as good as the second one, but Never. the second one was one of the best movies ever made of all time, if you ask me. I agree. And people are going to be laughing at me when they think of movies like, you know, Casablanca and Gone with or the, the Wind. Or the Titanic, which is the Titanic. Oh, I like Titanic. But... I bet you did, you 50 boys. <laughs> I like the I like anything about the Titanic. You sit me down in front of the Titanic on the like the Sci-Fi Channel. Or, I probably or sit you on the Titanic because that's what you're taking this show. That's the that is where I agree with you. I find that stuff interesting when it's the actual Titanic. I don't find Leonardo DiCaprio no. on the Titanic interesting, but the rest of that stuff it's fascinating to me. I think my wife and I have actually seen some uh, some specials on that, and it's pretty good stuff. Yep. I mean, if if James Cameron's hearing, listening to the show tonight... I'm sure he James, is. James Cameron, I want to come down with the next time you go down with that sub that you made, because he spent like forty to $50,000 on this new sub, that he's going to go back to the Titanic and see some new footage. So I cannot wait to see that stuff. And like I said, DJ, you could, I could sit in front of the TV and watch anything with Titanic, with history, and that in the Civil War... I mean, I am just—I—I I love that kind of stuff. Shame so. you weren't on the Titanic or in the Civil War on the losing side, but that is another—that's another story for another time, sir. Uh, do you have any other nuggets, sir? DG, do you have any nuggets so I can start ripping you now? Yeah, I have one nugget before we close out the show, and you know we're running a little long. Well, with, you know this is pure gold. We do whatever we want, so let's just throw that out there first. But my one nugget, sir, is something that I think you'll find interesting. I want to talk about once again the Somerset Patriots. I will be attending. I'll be live. We'll have a Pierre Gold exclusive one on one. Uh, we always call it Pierre Gold exclusives whenever we, we get together. Joe won't be there, but Pure Gold will be there in house. We'll do the show. We'll interview Sparky Lyle. We'll interview the mascot. We'll interview Justin Huber or anybody else will give us the airtime. Um, I'm going to go with my entire family, pretty much everyone that I'm related to on this earth. There's about 12 of us who are going. My niece will be there. The dad's there. The mom's there. Um, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles. Your week. daughter. Of course, yes. Yeah, she, oh, she she pretty much is wherever we go. She's she's here right now, as a matter of fact. But 
you know, she uh, <laughs> she can't speak yet. But aside from that, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a fireworks show, one of their many fireworks shows. And uh, I know you're, 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 you have a comment on that. So, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just let that fly. What day is this game? This is Saturday, July 30th. I did not know Independence Day was July 30th. Apparently, it's July 30th and every two weeks after that. <laughs> They're celebrating American Independence. But, sir, do you know how much it costs for 12 tickets? And let me tell you. We have tickets over by the visiting dugout, the premium field box seats, which are the best seats in the house. And granted, it's a small stadium, but you, you have any idea how much it costs for us to get 12 tickets and parking? 12 tickets uh, at a Somerset game. Um, let me go with $500. <laughs> no, sir. It's actually going to cost us $184 total. Are you kidding me? No, sir. And that's for two cars going and parking. Wow. At the event. Sir, do you know how much, and this is a comparison that I did just thinking about tonight's show that I had to do for the listening audience out there so I can promote the Patriots as much as possible. And no, I don't work for them, not yet at least. Um, I compared City Field's false tickets for the absolute worst seats in the stadium, the upper deck, section 501, which is the last section to the right in the upper deck, 12 seats, two cars, parking tolls. Do you know how much that costs, sir? $500? $360, so actually double. So not only am I going to a stadium, yeah, all right, you, you can't compare the teams in terms of the on-the-field talent. Yes, you can, actually. I think the Somerset Patriots are better. <laughs> or the the stadium itself. But the, the Patriots have a nice stadium. It's nice to walk around. It's nice to get the food and everything there. They have a nice nice area. It's good stuff. My wife and I, of course, will be scarfing down some funnel cake. And uh, I'll try to get my fastball up to over 50 miles an hour this time at the, uh, the kids' uh, pitch zone. But aside from that, it's double for the worst seats in the entire house versus the best seats in the house. And you know what, Joe? I found comparable seats at City Field. Do you know how much that costs for those seats, 12 tickets, two cars, parking, and tolls? $500? No, sir. The, the, the seats that were actually right where we have our seats, they weren't available, so they bumped us up to the section in front because those seats are available. Joe, those tickets cost a whopping $2,291.50. Again, that's including parking and tolls for two cars. And that is over $2,000 more than it's going to cost me for the best seats in the house with the Patriots. That is insane, especially for the product that the Mets put on the field. They should be ashamed of themselves. I agree. Well, you know, I mean, they're, they're at least somewhat competitive, but I agree with you. Folks, I'm telling you, you got to check out the Patriots. You need to go. If you live here in, in uh, northern New Jersey, go check them out. You know, there's also the New Jersey Jackals, which you can see in Montclair. There is the uh, the Newark Bears, if you want to go to downtown Newark. <laughs> if you want to go there, you can check them out over at Riverfront Stadium. Uh, apparently, they moved Riverfront from uh, Cincinnati over to uh, over there. But oh, I'm sorry, that is where the Pirates used to play, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They moved that from one state to the other. But, uh, Joe, you know, it's family fun. It's good entertainment. Fireworks whenever you want, except the 4th of July. And it's just going to be a blast. I've taken my niece to a live game and my cousins and stuff, and it's going to be great. It sounds like a great deal, a great family atmosphere, so I hope you have a good time That's and cool. uh, definitely want to report back after. Oh, of course. Uh, that, that Tuesday show when we have uh, Neil Best on, we'll, I'll, definitely, I'll put Neil on hold for an hour <laughs> so I can talk about some of my pages. And just in the last note on that, sir, I was looking at this, the, uh, the Can-Am League, which is where the Jackals play and the Bears play. The Bears actually used to be in the uh, – in the Somerset, the, the lead that the Patriots are in, um, 
What I find interesting, sir, is that you have two teams, uh, two leagues, I'm sorry, with eight teams in each league. Why, why do you think, why don't these teams just combine leagues? Why don't they get 16 teams together, you know, from the two different, from the Atlantic League and, of course, the, uh, the league that I just mentioned, the Can-Am League? Why don't they just all get together, make a huge 16-team league where you can have the American, the National, whatever the case is. You can have so much more talent. So much more interaction, and of course, you could even turn that into a, a, a league where it can become like a minor league for the for the real teams, where they can really say you're affiliated with us. I mean, it's got to be politics and money. I mean, what else could it be? Yes, yeah, so I'm looking at the website here. Fireworks on Wednesday. <laughs> There's going to be fireworks on Wednesday and next Saturday and every other day, pretty much for the rest of the year. Um, I'm sure there's politics involved, but to me, it just it makes so much sense to have these guys all get together, make this one monster league. And just, you know, make it more exciting and interesting because, you know, you have the same teams playing the same teams all the time. But, again, it's a great it's a great family environment. It's a great family-friendly friendly atmosphere. And if you want to check out, you don't want to take out a second or third mortgage on your home and sell your kidneys and sell every everything you have, a mortgage, uh, you know, your life savings on a game like we just mentioned with the Mets, you can go check out Patriots Action. And I absolutely love it, sir. I'm, I'm pumped up and I'm ready to go. All right, sir. Like I said, have fun. Definitely want to report back on it. And uh, I think that puts a bow on this one, sir. I absolutely agree. It definitely does. What do we, uh, once again, you know, you're listening to Pure Gold live and on the air. Once again, DG, who do we have? I mean, we have the, the one, of, some of the best guests coming up. We absolutely do. We have the cream of the crop. Um, you know, and we've had a lot of different connections, and we've had some doors get shut in our face, as it were. But we are so excited. As you know, of course, at the beginning of this show, we had Rima Faki, Miss USA 2010 who was a you know, lo- lovely guest, just a lovely person, seems so positive and energetic, which, which of course, we like. We're going to have uh, Matt Walsh, formerly Joseph Canterbury of FCW. He is now Matt Walsh in the IWF. He's going to be joining us on Thursday. That's going to be a good interview. Next Tuesday, we're going to have the one and only Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post joining us. And we're also trying to get Flex Freeman so he can talk to us about that complete and utter destruction and, and annihilation of uh, the IWF where he won the – uh, heavyweight championship, and now, of course, he's a simultaneous heavyweight and United States champ. Um, pretty soon, he's going to be the tag team champs by himself. Then after that, of course, we have the following week, the one and only Neil Best, the best guest that we'll ever have from Newsday, reporting live with us. That's an exciting one. Um, tentative, of course, as Neil would say. Then the following week, we have, as we're going to finalize this one also, folks, the one and only Adam LaGreca, the co-host of the Michael K Show and the brother, the big brother of our very own Dave LaGreca from Busted Open. Uh, you know, Dave is a huge fan of the show, of course. And, uh, you know, he's a behind-the-scenes uh, executive producer, even though he doesn't know it. And, uh, you know, sir, we're also working on Leonard Marshall, the New York Giants, New York Giant legend, football legend, the great one. And, of course, one of uh, Bruce Harper's best friends. We're going to have Leonard on with us. And I'm telling you, it's... It doesn't get any bigger than these guests. The only way it would get bigger is if we had Mike Francesa on the show. That's the only way that it would get bigger. Out of your homes. Out of your homes. Yes, Mike, out of our homes. Um, and speaking of that, in homage to the one and only Mike Francesa. And we, out of your homes. Yeah. Well, let's just throw that out there. Folks, this is Pure Gold. The call-in number, you can call in now. We're going to be off the air in a second. 714-364-4721. You can check out our website, puregoldpg.com, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all that other stuff. Check us out on Blog Talk Radio. Check out our shirts, uh, zazzle.com forward slash 
ERG Design Shop, or you can check out the Pure Gold PG shirts. Um, if you'd like to buy them, of course, we'd love it if you would, because, you know, it's, it supports the, supports the Pure Gold Foundation that we have set up. <laughs> Feed the Children Foundation. <laughs> well, folks, we appreciate you listening in and being a part of the show. And, of course, uh, you know, I love to say, of course, definitely, positively, maybe. Remember to tune in on Thursday for another PG episode. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We rock it like you're never gonna see us again Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.